0: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Search for Rosemary, Drunk Drivers, Mystery in the Himalayas, and Stanton Bones.
1: Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. This is Reenacted, an unsolved mysteries podcast.
0: Mm, yes. Uh, Robbie, I think today's mystery is why did I put so much rum in the cocktail? That I made before we started recording. This is gonna be a
1: really fun. Record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You made some sort of <laughs> allusion to the, the drink you had made mm-hmm. for yourself before we yes. started recording. I, I guess I didn't really quite mm-hmm. pick up on what you were suggesting. <laughs> I, I guess the implication yeah, was you I mean, were too. You are going to be too intoxicated to talk about most of these segments, or?
0: <laughs> um. No, I won't be too in- intoxicated. I. I'll just be kind of intoxicated
1: okay (laughs) well that might enhance the experience
0: i uh i made something here and i think even without alcohol you would really you would really enjoy it should i should i tell the the listeners what the recipe is here for for this rum punch i just made uh go ahead okay because we gotta fill some time at the top um okay so here's the deal you guys so it's two shots of aged rum it's one half shot of velvet falernum and that's like a spicy rum-based liqueur that they make in Barbados. It's one half shot of creme de, de creme de cacao, which is kind of chocolatey. Okay. Um, and then here, and then juice of one lime, okay. a small lime, not like a big lime, like a small lime. And then, and then two shots of pineapple juice. Mm. And then ice, and then three oh, dashes of Angostura bitters. And then you stir all that up. And then I put then I put it in a glass with a lot of ice, and then I fill up whatever is left of the glass with guava juice. So I really think the lime, pineapple, guava, Angostura bitter thing might be your jam, dude. It's very tropical.
1: Okay, I, I could I could go for a tropical sort of drink. Um, mm. I I, the, I mean, it's very refreshing. Yes. Uh, so it's it's not like that weird. When I came down to, to visit you, we visit last time we mm-hmm. went to a food truck and you Did we? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Oh, uh-huh. that, that was yeah, that was like that. Our, that was our adventure that evening was trying to find a, a, a decent food truck. We were cruising around mm-hmm. the streets of Los Angeles. Um, yeah. We found one and uh,
0: This is you're making it sound cooler than it was, but
1: yes. I guess in my memory, <laughs> it was a really cool experience. I guess that just—I mean, I, I guess everything's relative, right? So for me, right—that's that was like the hippest thing I had done in probably a year leading mm-hmm. up to that, and probably in all the time since. Uh, wow! But,
0: well, I mean, uh, we're pretty—we're pretty lucky that like. Food trucks kind of fill the gap of, um, they're usually out later than most restaurants are open. Yeah. So if you don't want like fast, you don't want drive through, you don't want fast food, just like, oh, it's late, you're getting off work, maybe you've had something to drink. There's a lot of options. So we went looking for, I think, a very specific Mexican food truck.
1: Right. that Because...
0: And it, yeah. was, it had
1: to be very particular because we and I, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. honestly, I can't remember what we ordered, but I remember the food being very satisfying. Um, yeah,
0: the food was good, but then I made you drink or orchata. Is that and you didn't like that. that, that much, that's
1: the name of that, that that vials, that vile liquid. The. <laughs> the, 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 um,
0: the. I. Yeah, I think a lot of people like it. <laughs>
1: It's it like like a liquid sugar. Um,
0: their horchata was too sweet. Yeah, I usually like the horchata a little less sweet, a little more spicy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. A more
0: cinnamon, less sugar. Theirs was very sweet.
1: Did I did I tell you at the time that hmm. Heather Anderson from our, our the graduate program that we were both in, uh, I can already hear the mm-hmm. the the eyes of of people who came here uh not expecting us to talk about our backgrounds for some reason to, to be rolling, but you know what? Screw you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, for Heather Anderson from our, our graduate program. Uh, I was helping her move one time mm-hmm. and she went to get me a. you're a good friend. Yes. <laughs> and she, she went to like, get us some like drinks and she got me one of those mm-hmm. things. And, Oh. It was oh god, so I mean, I think I think I'm not I'm just not suited for an o, o- j- uh, that that drink or- orchata. Yes,
0: Robbie, they have orchata in the town you live in. I guarantee you it is not a foreign substance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, they almost certainly do. I I'll have to.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure if you went to like uh, what's the grocery store there? Uh, Smiths. Yeah, Smith's. I'm sure if you went to Smith's, there's a big box of Kearns chata in the dairy section next to all the other juice and stuff. I guarantee you it's sitting there right now.
1: You know, if there is, I will take a picture of it and put it on our social media. And if you're interested in following us on social media, we're at reenactedpod (laughs) on Twitter. You can reach out to us at reenactedpod at gmail.com. Reenacted Mm -hmm. fan podcast fans on Facebook and please give us five stars on iTunes and if you're you're upset that we haven't gotten to the first Unsolved Mystery segment yet just please just you don't have to give us a rating just stop listening right here That that's fine
0: uh, are we just is this the show over is that why we're doing <laughs>
1: <laughs> no just I uh, just uh, saw an opportunity to get that stuff out of the way um,
0: okay so we won't do it again later no Maybe. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm a dog and you just moved the food bowl and now I don't know what to do. But, uh, Robbie, uh, should we? This is a really exciting episode, I think. Um,
1: Yeah. For for those of you who who are not privy to the behind the scenes magic, like I have had mm -hmm. to like hear about the Yeti and how excited Crystal mm. was that this was finally mm. a segment involving Yeti.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm horny for Sasquatch, it's true. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what our first segment is about <laughs> that we're going to talk about. But
1: first, let's talk about let's talk about racism and interracial relationships in the 1950s United States.
0: Let's start off on a huge bummer. So this is season four, episode 17, just in case anybody's playing along at home with Unsolved Mysteries. Robert Stack episodes only.
1: Fuck Farina. Fuck Farina. And I'm going to throw you right out of that fucking window. Our first segment takes us (laughs) to 1950s Buffalo, New York, and we learn about, uh, well, before we even get to the segment, we get a, like a 45 second long sort of. Background on why racism was really prevalent prevalent in the that time frame. I feel like Unsolved Mysteries was mm-hmm. a little more due dil- diligent on explaining that than maybe they've been <laughs> sometimes in the past.
0: I, you know, I will say there are there are certain blind spots Unsolved Mysteries has, but when it comes to civil rights era stuff, I I do feel like they've been pretty sensitive
1: yeah uh, to,
0: to things you know what i mean like they 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 are totally like <laughs> totally racist against like asians and native americans <laughs> but i i feel like i feel like african americans get kind of a fair shake right on unsolved mysteries yeah <laughs> god <laughs> okay
1: so, true so we learn about um relationship involving a woman named eleanor platt who was a uh, a 17 year old high schooler i think yes and she started dating a man named john elias uh who was african-american eleanor was white uh and even in buffalo new york well
0: they're both still african-american and white to be clear they didn't this is not a story of
1: menopause. Well, yes, yes, this is not. Yeah, I mean, she uh, to this day, this this story is is like a lost love. It's not uh, some sort of Psymed med thing. Like people, people are swapping yeah. races. Uh, why?
0: You know, but you were you were right to say they were because they're both dead now.
1: They are. Oh well.
0: Yeah. They were, they were very old in the episode. So. That's true.
1: That episode was like...
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> three
1: decades ago. Yeah, I guess I should have just figured yeah. that was going to happen.
0: It doesn't... No, it doesn't matter to the story that they're both dead now. Please continue. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's all right. We get a reenactment where they sort of are eyeing each other in a... Uh, what would be the proper term for it? Not a soda fountain, right? Uh, a a drug a diner a, a drug store diner? drugstore diner is that what it is it's a diner yeah sure i don't yeah it's it's you know it's a diner there cuz like he's he he goes to i think what the jukebox and then he goes up to the counter where there's like a sign up above that says ice cream mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. goes up and they start talking and unfortunately at this period of time uh the relationship was not uh, approved on by her family and apparently many others um so we get a reenactment where he is coming by like what was it during christmas and she sneaks out of mm-hmm. the window of the of the upper floor of her house drops two bags down onto the ground climbs down and uh runs away with him And they live together until basically just the end of the next month uh, because she discovers that she's pregnant and Mm. returns Mm. home to tell her family for some reason. Uh, Her father is a a classic alcoholic...
0: He's very sweaty in the reenactment. Very undershirt, shotgun, sweaty, greasy, unshaven situation. Yeah, very
1: much so. Like, I mean... You would think that he, with only wearing an undershirt, he wouldn't be you, he, he wouldn't be that hot, but he is just sweating profusely. yeah, um, yeah. I mean I mean, he's basically just sweating the, at the at the rate that I normally sweat at. so uh, <laughs>
0: are you a very are you a very sweaty person?
1: I feel like I am. I'm it's something that like in the recent years I've become really uncomfortable with.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: I just like and during graduate school, once again, I can I can mm-hmm. hear people's eyes rolling over. Uh but during graduates, school, well, I can deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> during graduate school, I just I felt like just walking around. I just like started sweating a lot. Uh-huh. Not, I mean, I didn't even feel hot yeah. or anything. It just was like Yeah. It's just like all this liquid's pouring out of me, and I I don't know why.
0: Uh Um I mean, I remember you were wearing like a lot of very thick sweaters back then, so I don't know if that had anything to
1: do with it. Yeah, but... yeah, I I did kind of dress like a bum. Um...
0: No, I, you. No, I I mean, uh, it was more like Bill Cosby, but n- in a not monstrous way. <laughs> Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, we'll just keep moving on before I get in any trouble. Okay. Um, so, um,
0: wait, hold on, hold on a second. I want to talk about how I'm sweating now too, because this is a new thing for me. Okay. Like I was not, I was not a sweaty teen. I was not a sweaty 20 something, but something happened when I turned like 30 where I'm so sweaty all, I'm so sweaty all the time. You guys really, I'm so I'm so sweat. I'm sweating. I'm not even. Well, I mean, it's this is probably like hashtag fat people problems, but I'm just like sweating. um, Just sitting here, although it was kind of a hot day today and I have been drinking. So it makes me a little flush. But like, yeah, I'm just like sweating like constantly. I'm sorry. uh... Maybe it's like early menopause. Knock on wood. But I don't know. Well, anyway, I don't know what your problem is. Should we talk about Eleanor and John? I'm sorry we went down this road. Yeah,
1: we um, I mean, if if if. If the people listening to this want us to, like, talk more about sweating, we can certainly do that in future Mm -hmm. episodes. Uh, Just just be sure to interact with us on social media.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and be like, we need a sweatier podcast.
1: (laughs) Maybe, Maybe that should be some form of, like, special episode, like we do a sweatcast.
0: Where we're like just in a sauna or something.
1: Oh man, I like the way you're thinking. We'll talk about this after the episode. I feel like there's some, some things to it. Okay, we'll here. table
0: this for later. Yeah. Uh, you know what I missed in the, I wanna hold on a second. You know what I missed completely in this segment? The
1: age difference?
0: Yes. Mm. I didn't, I didn't like realize what was going on. I, I thought he was like 20 or something. But he was like, oh, so he was a he was twenty eight, I guess. He, if he was eleven, was eleven older than, years older than her. Know. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of see where the racism aside, I can kind of see where the parents are coming from on this.
1: Yeah, admittedly, if um, the age difference is definitely problematic, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, I and what what was strange about it was like they didn't even have to wait that long for her to turn eighteen um uh, yeah, I feel like at yeah. least some not all but some of the difficulties they ran into could have been averted if they just mm-hmm. waited um so yeah, uh yeah, so she goes back home and tells her parents the news and the the sweaty father's furious and he Uh, They send her to a home for unwed mothers, uh, another lovely Mm -hmm. uh, feature of the 1950s. And Mm -hmm. John was accused of rape, which, I mean... He kind of did. He did kind of do, yeah, uh, from a (laughs) statutory statutory. perspective. um, He went to jail for like nine months, though I think he actually got out a little bit early for good behavior. Um, so she like she gave birth to a daughter who they who she named mm-hmm. Rose Marie and this was in the home for unwed mothers and one mm-hmm. of those horrific social service people from the 1950s basically like coerced her into like signing away her kid yeah it it's it, i mean this 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 woman who's engaged in this like she's she she's like pure you know, totally in the same vein of, if you remember however many episodes back, we had, like, the one social services woman who came to the household and would, like, open up the cabinets and tut-tut at, like, how little food there was left. Mm-hmm. You know, s- same same mm-hmm. sort of bitch a- attributes to this, this woman. Uh, <laughs> really kind of, like, deceived Rosemary, who apparently, you know, like, she wasn't aware that if just... If she just held out for X number of days, she she would have been eighteen, and they couldn't have forced her to give away the kid. But,
0: uh, yeah. Oh man, what a mess. Yeah. And then
1: like John gets out of jail, and him and mm-hmm. Rosemary, they they want to get the kid back, and they mm-hmm. they go to to her parents' house for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why because mm-hmm. I can't even fathom yeah, why. Yeah, I don't
0: know either. Why
1: they would? Well, I mean, I think she tried to dissuade him, but. Like, why, why there would have been the belief that this would have been a good idea and would have resulted in anything other than what we got, which was the the father coming out on the porch with a gigantic shotgun, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and basically running them off. I do not know why. Uh, and then like, yeah, I wasn't clear. Like she, no, no, wait, I, I think I'm getting it confused. Like she got sent away to some some other weird place where they send unwed mothers right and that that after this and that's when they got got she had to sign away her kid i mean basically they the 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 Hmm. legal system just like put the screws to them like when she was finally out of this uh uh, place john had left Mm -hmm. because he was being harassed by uh pretty much the entire city uh stack literally says he was run out of town
0: and what John says is just like basically anytime he was out the police would find him and just be, you know, they they wouldn't charge him with anything, they just kept harassing him. Yeah. Um I uh, so I'm reading in the wiki here that Eleanor after coming back to the parents was sent to uh, for sentenced to a 3 year term at a juvenile center cuz she failed to obey their orders.
1: Oh, is that what happened?
0: I guess you could you get arrested for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Uh, And then she was told... And then she was told that her sentence would be reduced if she gave Rosemary up for adoption. Oh. And then she later learned that because she was 18, she didn't have to do any of that.
1: Oh, damn.
0: Yeah, they really...
1: Parents back then just sucked.
0: I mean, but hold on a second. I kind of feel like by playing up the sort of taboo nature of the interracial relationship were really downplaying the sort of aspect of a 28-year-old man. Right. Um you know, and maybe back then it wasn't that weird. I don't know, but to me in 2020 that is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not criminal, but it's like not okay either. Yeah. And um I r- I really feel like he sh- he should have shown a lot more dis discretion in that situation as an older person than he did.
1: yeah he was really just brazen uh it it's it, it just shockingly so uh
0: yeah and i feel like with unsolved mysteries kind of being like well look at these look at the way it used to be this is terrible. He got run out of town. It's like, yeah, but maybe like he
1: yeah. was well, he was
0: he was like should he have been run out of town or I don't know, but he was inappropriate. Yeah,
1: he, he was having doing we kind of just glaze over having that having inappropriate relations with a high schooler. I
0: yeah you yeah. <laughs> um on oh, hold on though in in Eleanor's defense. I am looking at a picture of both Eleanor and John in
1: 1953.
0: Okay. And I could see how she'd want to get with that. A hundred percent. Like that would be a very, that would be a very hard, like if, like if that guy came up and started talking to me, I'd be like, Oh man, I gotta think about this <laughs> <laughs> for a second. So I'm like in her defense, you know, he was anyway, yeah. Um, the saddest part of all of this, right? So Rosemary gets put up for adoption mm-hmm. and because of complications having with, with that pregnancy and then Rosemary's birth, Eleanor had to have a hysterectomy. So she, you know, at the age of eight, 18 or 19 or something, basically couldn't have any more children around.
1: Yes. And I don't know about you, but considering the numerous sort of like weird things going on because, uh, with her up to this point. I kind of halfway Mm -hmm. wondered whether this was, like, Mm. the Uh, system, like, trying to trick her into getting a hysterectomy. (sighs) I mean.
0: Robbie, I wouldn't. Oh, man, that's dark, but I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to take us there, but it was, like, it's just because when the first time watching through this segment, just all the ways that, like, the entire system was effing with her. I just, like. Mm -hmm. In mm-hmm. my mind, it put me into this mindset where I just automatically, that's, it's actually where I just automatically, I thought they were going to s- start wow. talking about it like that. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I mean, there was some news that came out recently um, that I think in, you know, here in
1: 2020, mm-hmm.
0: of basically forcibly sterilizing immigrant women. So I can see why you might jump to that <laughs> yeah. that assumption. And maybe you're not wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really dark, but I could, you know, and she, I mean, they could make a lot of arguments that she was mentally unwell or whatever, right. and she shouldn't be allowed to have more children. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That like, yeah, that stuff like that happened
1: all the time. I mean, it kind of, that's it, fucked up. it kind of feels like in the 1950s, <laughs> basically like, like, you know, like, if your husband felt you were just kind of like a downer all the time, I mean, he could basically mm-hmm. just take you to, like, a hospital and be like, hey, can you give her, like, a lobotomy? Because, like, she's really bumming me out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, hysteria, I think, was still in the uh, diagnosis up until, what, like, the 70s or oh, something? Oh, wow,
1: okay, yeah, yeah, totally.
0: It was a lot later than it should have been, I'll just put it that way, I don't remember exactly when it... yeah. people stopped having hysteria, but... yes. Oh man, this this sucks. Uh... So,
1: but yeah, so uh, unfortunately, <laughs> she uh, uh, she she wasn't able to have any more kids. But when she married later on in life, they did have four foster children. And then, uh, yeah, John nice. married, and he had a couple of children of his own, and. They eventually, and this is where I, I, like, when I first started watching this segment, I thought like, oh, this is going to be tried, be trying to reunite the two of them, but then like, they mm-hmm. very early on, they're like, you know, the, the two of them have cr- clearly been found, so I'm like, wait, what's going on? And then, I, I then mm-hmm. the, obviously Rosemary came along, uh, and the segment is trying to find her, and. This is one uh, yet another one of those situations where she is uh, found on the very night this episode aired mm-hmm. uh, by like a coworker recognized her, and this is where mm-hmm. I really got confused because how did the coworker recognize her?
0: I, d- <laughs> I have no I I don't
1: know. <laughs> there's not even, there's not, I there's not there's no pictures. I, it's not like here's here's what we think she might look like I mean <laughs> um, but we get we get a, a sort of happy happy reunion situation,
0: yeah, I think it was pretty dope though that after all these years that Eleanor and John still seem to have a lot of love for each other, yeah, I think whatever they had, despite the i mean, my conclusion is whatever they had despite the age difference was probably real, mm-hmm. and um you know society conspired. Against them.
1: Justifiably in some ways, not so much others.
0: <laughs> you know, this segment's yeah. been a real ride.
1: It sure has. But let's move on to another segment that we'll just uh, get through real quickly. Unsolved Mysteries is on the search for a drunken driver who killed two people. Um, we, get, we get treated to a reenactment of John Constable and his wife, Virginia. As they their packet, they're they're putting stuff in their car, getting ready for a three hour trip to go visit their their daughter in mm-hmm. Jacksonville, I think it was Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, the segment goes by pretty quickly. It's just they're driving along, and we get a reenactment of a guy playing John uh, James, no James White, uh, who is intoxicated. Uh, he nearly crashes into one car, swerves off the road, and then just hits, hits the constable car just head-on. Um, unfor- unfortunately, both, both of the constables are killed. Uh, we get a reenactment of their daughter. like The, uh, the state trooper comes along to mm-hmm. let her know what happened. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, the the real woman is relating how, like, at first she didn't think any, anything of it because she had called because she was worried because they weren't there yet. And she'll, she figured, oh, well, he's coming along to get some information. But no, he's, he's come to tell her about this horrific vehicle accident. And Unsolved Mysteries really, really mm-hmm. reiterates many, many, mm-hmm. many times here uh, that uh unfortunately unjustly it's often seems like the drunk driver in a drunk driving crash Mm -hmm. seems to survive more often than the people he plows into um and then that's the case with mr white he was driving with a 0.22 alcohol level and florida's limit is 0.1 do you know how
0: drunk that is is very drunk (laughs)
1: I was just about to ask you cuz I'm kind of vague on this. How drunk is that?
0: Um I think, you know, I think a lot of people depending on their body composition um so the legal limit in California is 0.08. Um and oh, wow. so I think, you know, that you know that's different for different people, but if you're at 0.2, I mean, p- please people let me know if I'm wrong. But that's basically saying like a fifth of your blood is alcohol (laughs) it's
1: 0.2 well right that's the thing right yeah because if it's if it's 1.0 that would mean all of your blood is alcohol yeah so he was very Mm -hmm. drunk uh but he like after a couple of days he starts feeling fine Mm -hmm. because he just has a broken ankle some broken ribs i think a broken jaw they talk about having to wire it Mm -hmm. shut um but yeah after a couple of days like his his family's taking him on these walks where they sort of just roll him around in his wheelchair mm-hmm. and we get a reenactment of a nurse like being like, "Hey, where are you going?" and they're like, "We're just taking him for a walk." Okay, but be back here in half an mm-hmm. hour. And then in the reenactment, the uh James's family uh help wheel him out through a doorway and they 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 run off <laughs> with James being pushed in the chair all, all the way. It, it's it would be comical if it wasn't such a um, horribly tragic background on on this case. Uh, that's basically it for the reenactment. We get an update. J- uh, James was captured. Uh, and then we get a text update following that where uh, you know, he got sentenced to what like a, uh, 11 years in prison, mm-hmm. 15 years probation, and he had to pay twelve thousand dollars to cover the burial expenses for the for both constables.
0: you know um, one of the things the white text update doesn't give us is where he was spotted actually and it was it was in Burlington, Vermont but guess the venue where did someone recognize him from Just guess
1: uh. Was it like? Was he at like a drinking celebration, a, a beer celebration or something? Uh,
0: if by that you mean a a bar, he was? yes. Someone recognized him from that oh. bar.
1: <laughs> oh really? <laughs> so they were watching Unsolved Mysteries and it was like, oh, that's the guy who's in the bar all mm-hmm. the time. Oh. Yeah. Well, Crystal, we've gotten to the part you want to talk
0: about. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about some abominably smelling men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the the worst, uh, the worst of the men in this are all the um British thieves that visit the uh, Himalayas.
1: Man, you just coming
0: g- out hot on this like, one. Oh God, because yeah, I have a lot. I have like a lot of, yeah, and most of it's not Yeti related. I got I got pretty fired up by this okay. uh, by this uh segment. Um so Unsolved Mysteries kinda goes through this like, this is what a Yeti is. And um <laughs> like if like if you don't I guess maybe in in like nineteen ninety two probably it wasn't really in the lexicon, I guess.
1: Um Yeah, I, I could I could imagine that like Bigfoot was a much more prominent mm-hmm. Much more prominent in people's minds if, if if they were interested in this sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: I mean I don't I mean I don't know what the taxonomy is for like Yeti and swamp apes and Bigfoot and Sasquatch, but I assume they all belong to the same like genus if they're not the same species. Um
1: Yeah. yeah. So <laughs>
0: Anyway, um, (laughs) so we get we get a a quick little talk from from an expert on the subject, at least an expert um, on Sherpa culture in the Himalayas. And he says, you know, when the when the first expeditions went out to the Himalayas from Europe, they came back with reports talking about um, this sort of hairy man lived up in the mountains and he was called the abominable smelling man because he smelled terrible and then that got shortened to the abominable man and then it became the abominable snowman because he was he was in the Himalayas. so that's the etymology of that of that whole term so anyway um this guy eric shipton he goes out he's a he's a mountaineer and um When you go to the Himalayas today as then, uh, you'll get Sherpa has become the sort of catch all term for guide, like Himalayan guide in the mountains, but it's actually like, um, I don't know, a just a, it's a culture. It's the people that live there. They're all Sherpas. So not all of them are guides is my understanding. Uh, so the sh- yeah. the Sherpas took this guy Eric Shipton out, and he came across this set of tracks. Right, one footprint was like really huge, and they show a photograph of it on Unsolved Mysteries. Um, it was uncharacteristically wide, even for an ape, and uh, he took mm-hmm. a uh, he took a ca- like a plaster cast of it from the snow. But because it was like snow, it was kind of like melty. So like the 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 footprint cast right. is kind of I don't know weird. <laughs> and to me that yes, to me yes, it looks yes. like maybe it was just like a regular footprint of an animal but because it was in snow it kind of like melted and so then it's it distorted yeah. it and
1: made it look weird yeah. and twisty. Um yeah.
0: so but Shipton didn't have any very good photographic equipment. Um anyway, so that was 1951, 1957 a texas oilman and i shit you not the oilman's name is tom slick
1: <laughs> i laughed so hard when they said what his name was i i couldn't believe it
0: <laughs> no i mean that's just if you wrote that in a movie people would people would say you, re- you have to rename the character <laughs> yeah
1: they, yeah the, the the editor would the the the, the does the screen editor look at that, and be like, "No, two no, on the nose." You can't give a character that ridiculous no, you of a cannot name. Cannot do that.
0: But he was real, Tom Slick, uh, and he went out with Peter Byrne, yeah. who is a fellow. I think they actually interviewed him in the segment. Yeah, he was the British guy that was doing most of the talking.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the. Um. He, yeah, the one they were primarily interviewing.
0: Uh, so they dis- they set off explicitly to find the yeti in Nepal. So Byrne's whole thesis is because the Sherpas think it's knew The Yeti was a real animal that it had to be real. And um, because there was a whole like mythology around it. Um, so Byrne goes up there and he, he starts showing pictures of, you know, various apes and, you know, primitive man and other humanoids. Um, and then the Sherpas kept pointing at the, the picture of the primitive man. I mean, it's not a picture. It's like a drawing. <laughs> obviously we don't have photographs of right of of homo erectus but
1: it's not it's not an actual picture of a neanderthal um these are
0: all just drawings anyway so the sherpas kept pointing at the the picture of the primitive man and declaring that it was the yeti um and so the you know the description of a yeti is it's it's human-like but it's very hairy obviously it smells bad um the, they say that the face doesn't have hair on it or the face is pale and it walks fully erect. So it's, you know, basically what, you know, a, the story of the Bigfoot, I think. Um. So uh, later on an expedition, Tom Slick and the guides, the Sherpas, discover there's a bunch of tracks. This time they're in mud, so it's a little bit different than the snow, uh, you know, and... So they take a plaster cast.
1: Now, did it did it look to you like they were filming uh, the Sierra Nevadas for Nepal?
0: You know, I didn't pick up on that, but that would probably make more sense that they were not actually going to go out to Nepal <laughs> to film the reenactment of this.
1: It's just like, I mean, there's some scenes where they're like, I guess, in the lowlands mm. of Nepal and it's just, you know, it's brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, like sagebrush mm-hmm. and uh there's there's a little bit of snow around mm. um and it's just like i got the feeling they just drove east out of la mm-hmm. and went up into the sierras to, yeah. to film some of this That's
0: likely it's probably just up at mammoth yeah. or something um right i mean they're not going to nepal obviously that'd be very <laughs> expensive <laughs> to
1: go there to do a reenactment <laughs> uh wouldn't it be funny if they did go to nepal and in the process of doing trying to make the reenactment they actually found the yeti Mm -hmm.
0: that would be great that's probably not what
1: happened yeah (laughs)
0: um so they so they take another cast of this footprint they find in the mud and again it's it's really long really wide um which is weird because when the sherpas describe how big they think the yeti is they think he's only like between five six and five foot eight so that would mean that the 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 feet the big feet are quite a bit larger than the proportionality of whatever this thing's body is right again this is this is i feel like it's showing a lot of like similarity between descriptions of yeti and bigfoot in north america um And I, I mean, I like, I have so many, uh, Robbie, I really have so many theories as to what's going on here, (laughs) but I'm trying to get through the segment. Um, okay. So the next year, uh, they, they go back to Nepal or maybe they never left. I don't know, but it's 1958 now. And they meet a Buddhist monk who had it, who knew of a Yeti hand that was preserved and they keep it in a temple. Um, so they show it to burn and the, the prop they use in unsolved mysteries has this weird, like hook finger. I don't, there was like like one finger that was yes. much longer than the rest of the, the fingers. Um,
1: kind of curved.
0: Yeah. You know, burns like, Oh, can I take it? And they're like, no, you can't, you can't take that. He's like, well, <laughs> but can I take like a little bit of it? And they're like, no, you can't. And, and then, you know, the monk goes on to explain, you know, if you take this out of this temple, like, terrible things will befall the village. Like, you can't take this thing. like, um, And then uh, Burn being the proper English explorer that he is and undeterred, returns the next year, this time with a bottle of scotch. And he gets the monk really drunk. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is in the segment. As I take a sip of my drink.
1: Yeah, you're, you're skipping the reenactment of when he goes to the restaurant mm-hmm. and like the one guy gives him a, a bag with like a, a, a skeletal human hand. Mm-hmm. He's like, replace oh, yeah, the, replace it with this.
0: <laughs> There's this really dastardly scene in the reenactment. Yeah, where they're like at the club or something and they're like, I've got a present for you or something. And they dump this like skeletal human hand on the table how did I forget yeah, he, about that? It's the best part of the segment. He handed it
1: underneath the table.
0: Yeah. It was wild, yeah. you guys. It
1: and, was wild. Yeah. And it, what's funny is they just, like, in the the narration, uh, I think it's Byrne is describing him as, like, he was a proper scientist, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, immediately his, his action is to be like, here, hmm. you know, swap this out. And it's just like, and, and there's, you know, some other guy at the table who's just like, I can't remember what he says, but he makes some joke and is like, ha, 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 ha. And they all like, ha, ha, ha it up. Like, um, it's it just sort of like, I think it that's that scene more than anything, like conveys the sort of attitude that you that was making you come into the segment really hot. Just sort of like this. Like, yeah. oh, well, we can just we can just pawn off this this human hand on them and they won't know the difference. Yeah. So. I mean,
0: there's there's so much like bad colonialism going on in the segment it's so bad uh so yeah anyway so Burton goes back he gets the monk drunk monk passes out he takes uh he doesn't steal the whole hand i don't think but he removes one of the fingers from the hand in the temple and then replaces it with a yeah he- yeah cuz it was there's talk of it later of uh, the sample from the temple being all wired up because sir edmund hillary is it sir edmund hillary he goes yes later on to examine you know he's on his own thing but he's like we're we're going to see about this yeti thing so sir edmund hillary shows up at this village at some point and examines the hand is like you know the fuck is this this is all wired up what are are people talking about so sir edmund hillary is just like dismissive of the whole situation um (laughs) Which probably rightfully so but uh <laughs> yeah. so so burns got the the finger and he takes uh, a tissue sample and um gives it to this guy george dr george aggiorgino um in the sure. he does this in the 50s right so he, so dr george has got this sample on his desk and then it stayed in his desk for 30 years and then unsolved mysteries got involved, <laughs> <laughs> and there were they got their 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 team of crack uh, scientists on it, and so they give the tissue sample somehow get it out of Doctor George's drawer, and uh, yeah. they give it to the University of California, and uh, you know of course the results are inconclusive because God knows what this thing actually is, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been in a desk and an envelope. It's not been well preserved. And before that, it was in a temple in Nepal. Like, it wasn't like it was in a, you know, a, a good science-y situation
1: for analysis. Right, right. Yeah, I no, mean, technically no, this, this, speaking. This was not a... Uh, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> um, so they, so the University of California examines it, and they're like, this is... We don't really know what this is, but it's probably human tissue. Uh, and then so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, you know, Yeti reports have always continued. Um, the Unsolved Mysteries mentions that a photographer named Kurt Fritler was camping up high up in the Himalayas and he heard a loud like a loud call. Um, and then he heard this thing move around and in, in his campsite and then coming closer and farther away from him. Uh, Reinhold Messner. Whoa. Yes. Wait, I need to talk about Reinhold Messner for some for. for some.
1: Okay. Here's
0: the thing. I recognized the name, and I didn't know why I recognized the name Rein, Reinhold Messner.
1: Oh, my God. I, I am eagerly anticipating the revelation you're about to present to me. And
0: I just realized where I recognized the name from, because there is a Ben Folds 5 album, the second one they put out, called The Autobiography of Reinhold Messner. I. That's named after this guy.
1: I I wow. will confess, Crystal. I am not familiar with Benfold Five.
0: I think referencing Benfold's five second album probably lost our entire audience.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Robert and Crystal don't talk about anything anyone else cares about. Just what they care about.
0: It's, <laughs> it's true. <laughs>
1: that's 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 what our show is, folks. That's what our show is. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: Reinhold, Rein- <laughs> Reinhold Messner uh, says he got a good look at the creature. He said it was hairy and strong with short legs. So cool. He just described me. Um, <laughs> the body was... Quite- <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is I'm the Yeti. The end.
1: <laughs> Mystery salt. Now, now the thing that stood out to me was mm-hmm. like they're talking about the the, res- the test results and how like it's like yeah, it probably came from a human hand, and like mm-hmm. the other the, the all the people who were really invested in this being a yeti were like, um, well, well, yeah, of course, because you know the yeti's mm-hmm. a lot closer to being human than like like an ape or or something that so that's what we were expecting, and then they were like we get a very. Of, you know, the, the least bullshitty uh, guess they had was a Dr. Jerry Lowenstein, who was a professor of nuclear medicine. And mm-hmm. he was basically just like, yeah, you know, the problem with with this sort of you know, with this Yeti hunt type thing is whatever the results that came back on that hand would have said, they would have like said, like, see, this confirms what we what we believed um right so, yeah, right a nice uh a nice short but healthy shot of cynicism in, in all the guests that we had here
0: right um i, w- I want to talk about i want to talk about this for the rest of the show but i i specifically wanted to hone in on a couple of things and other uh you know when burn goes to nepal uh he seems to think what he did with the old switcheroo <laughs> is okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's he
0: seems to, <laughs> and I, by the transitive property, by unsolved mysteries, saying that, letting him say that he thinks it's okay. And then not countering it with anything. They too think it's okay. Yeah. Um, Which I want to, I really want to circle back on some things here. Which is this, Colon. I mean, I don't mean to get to throw cold water on the Yeti discussion here. But the, the thing is this, the colonial mindset says that um, you know better than whoever you're going in and dealing with. The people that have been there for, you know, sometimes thousands of years, you know what's best for them. And in this case, what was best for them was the advancement of science, and I'm putting th- throwing big air quotes around that. Yeah. And sen- essentially, st- I mean, this is like Indiana Jones type of archaeology here. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're just stealing. Are, are, are you you're stealing si- things? Are
1: you saying that Indy was a thief?
0: Yeah, that is what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: That's fair. (laughs) And I'm
0: saying most and and what I'm saying is most of archaeology was thievery for a very, very, very long time. And, um, you know, there there are protocols around it now when you're doing work in a culture or a land that is not your own. There are things, uh, you know, legal things uh, and and laws around, you know, there's Antiquities Acts for a reason, right? Because, you know, the many cultures, especially the British, kind of went around the world and just started stealing shit to fill their museums or their their freak shows or their curiosity rooms or or whatever Victorian ideas they had about. And they knew what was best and yeah. anything was theirs to take. So... Part of that assumption is that, you know, Native peoples, in this case the Sherpas, are either honest to a fault, naive, eager to please, whatever. And so I started thinking, you know, what if – of course the Yeti myth exists, right? Because we know know the Sasquatch myth exists in North America. It's a very old myth. It's older than, um, you know, European people being in North America. But what if the what if the Sherpas were just having a bit of fun?
1: <laughs> this was a, a a long game deep prank. Uh that they're like, man, mm-hmm. this th- like let's just let's just see how far this prank goes when we tell them this, you know. We'll tell them a good yeah a good story and see whether they believe it. And they just to this day they still believe it.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean the the yeti myth exists, right? But maybe no one's seen a yeti for a hundred years, and so, you know, the sherpas are sitting around there. They go, "All right, here comes here comes some more," and they <laughs> say, "Let's just have a bit of fun with this one," you know. And so they know that the the tracks that they're seeing belong to some kind of animal, or they're they're you know they the tracks are. Have been melted or altered in a way by natural forces that they're probably just somebody's foot, but you know they know what the snow and the mud does to things at that elevation with the with the uh you know thawing and freezing mm-hmm. <laughs> cycles. So why why not have a bit of fun? And I th- and I think this this whole segment kind of it, it perpetuates the idea that native people or indigenous people aren't intellectual, don't have a sense of humor, aren't capable of lying themselves, aren't agents in their own lot. You know what I mean? It's just like they're, but, they're treating but, the Sherpas like there's,
1: <laughs> they
0: worship a mummified hand at a temple.
1: But also have like you know? some sort of connection to some sort of hidden secret truth and stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I,
0: maybe that maybe maybe the hand belonged to like a really important Buddhist monk. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, like, and
1: right. that's
0: and it was a relic and it was sacred to that village, but like it wasn't a yeti.
1: <laughs> you know, when, when they're interviewing, um, Mister uh, Burn, uh, Peter Burn, like when when he after he did, you know after they show the reenactment of him doing the swaparoo on the on the finger, because he because mm-hmm. he was of the opinion that they would notice if he just swapped out an entire hand. So he's like, but they won't mm-hmm. notice notice if it's just a finger. And, like, they're interviewing him, and he's talked about, like, you know, the aftermath of that. Like, well, and the thing is, is everybody was perfectly happy. They still had their hand. We had our finger. Everyone was happy. It, it was, like, it was, it was just sort of, like, this, you know, like, complete, ra- just, just this rationalization and just, mm-hmm. you know, just, like... Yeah, like 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 just whitewashing of of of. I mean, he stole. He stole. He stole a finger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I,
0: yeah, he stole. Yeah, it's thievery. There's no getting around it. Yeah, yeah. But what probably what he stole was like somebody's uncle's finger.
1: Right. <laughs> so <laughs> why why are they telling people that this that somebody's uncle's? hand is like a yeti hat it's I, i'm curious how that like came about um i mean was it just like somehow a hand came in their their possession and it just you know the situation evolved from there was somebody's uncle like mm-hmm. did he th- did he think it would be a good joke to like pretend to be a yeti and mm-hmm. and <clears throat> and he set up some prank and it uh it went horribly awry um Mm. I'd be really interested to know the answer.
0: Well, I think maybe, just maybe, if they'd gone in there with maybe a different attitude, (laughs) they would have gotten better answers from the Sherpas.
1: Hmm, perhaps. Perhaps, indeed.
0: And I think what they probably would have found is that the Yeti exists in concept, but not in reality, and the Sherpas know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, I mean, it's <laughs> like if you go anywhere, like if you go to Can- uh, Canada, what was it was it in Saskatchewan? Where was that lake with that little Ugh. monster, that sea monster? Okanagan, Okanagan, yeah. yeah,
0: Lake Okanagan.
1: Every 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 place has its Pokanawin, Okanagan, Ogan, o- 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 whatever, o- Ogan, Ogan-
0: Yeah, but the difference is those weird Canadians think he's Lake whatever that sea monster is, is real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and yet, yeah. And and our, our Canadian listenership dwindles just a little bit less.
0: Well, the jokes on them were stuck in here. So, right. I mean, the jokes on us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess Ah!
0: (laughs) we got one. We got one more in this episode. Yeah.
1: It's also involves bones. It's more bones. Hooray! <laughs> so, Crystal, tell us about the Santa Cruz Islands.
0: I'm, You know, I'm ready to talk about um, Dr. Carrie Stanton. I'm ready. And here's why. Uh, unrelated to Unsolved Mysteries, about a year ago, I watched a docu series on the Channel Islands. And the Channel Islands are... They're, I think they're mostly National Park now. They're an archipelago off the coast of Santa Barbara in California. And they're kind of they're kind of wild and wooly shall we say so um (laughs) you know i'm reading the i'm reading the wiki about dr carrie q stanton and anytime i see the phrase lifelong bachelor i immediately assume something
1: (laughs) about that okay
0: and then given given his other sort of eccentric proclivities i i think it might be like a like a lindsey graham situation but i don't i don't mean that disparagingly and if you know you know what i'm talking about and if you don't you don't and i won't explain it so dr carrie q santon uh he was a big new york city doctor (laughs) and he moved uh and started a ranch on santa cruz islands that's one of the channel islands In 1957. Um, I guess his dad had owned the island. Uh, He bought it. You know, where you could just like buy islands? I,
1: man, I really wish, (laughs) I really, really wish that was a thing. I, I, I would really like to have an island.
0: You can actually. Oh, okay. There's like a buyanisland.com. There's some islands for sale. I saw a really nice one. It was like in a lake in Germany and it was like a summer camp situation. It really nice. Uh, yeah that was early in quarantine when i was trying to buy an <laughs> island uh moving on okay so uh so dr stanton jr moves to santa cruz island because he's given up the big city life and uh and uh, i guess there's a bunch of feral sheep and whatever the hell else out there it's just real wild yeah. and crazy uh so the way that things worked, and if I recall from the documentary, the way that things worked were, you didn't just come to Santa Cruz Island. You had to be invited. Ah. Uh, the way that Dr. Doctor Stanton ran it, you know, things were actually really formal. And he had a really nice house out there. It was full of, like, nice silver and all
1: this other yeah, stuff. The, re- the reenactment, um, like, it's <clears> a very, like, almost ritualized way that, like, dinner is, is served. Mm-hmm um then they like at a precise hour they then retire to a like a drawing room where like the dessert is is only yep. ever oatmeal cookies and he always goes mm-hmm. to bed precisely yep. at 9 p.m
0: i i have to say i admire the hell out of his lifestyle it's amazing i i mean i like, make getting people to come to you on an island, and then being, and then being, and then having them follow your weird shit. <laughs> like that is the biggest power play. I,
1: I have to admit, when I was watching the segment, I kind of like was was envious. I was like, man, I would just love to be mm-hmm. like just that, like that sort of rich eccentric. Um, that mm-hmm. you know, just like you know, just does things by a different beat. Absolutely, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, unrelated to this segment, if I'm. Re- re- remembering correctly from the documentary i watched is that in sometime during the late 70s or 1980s one of the members of the band the eagles okay started was called to santa cruz island he was like summoned and so like the eagles were like hanging out there or something <laughs> and um whoever it is the guitarist or i don't know i don't know who's in the eagles it's not i think don henley's in the eagles and it's not that All guy. Right. Anyway, he got to be pretty close with Dr. Stanton and sort of entrusted with preserving the nature and undeveloped sort of uh, vibe of the island. So, like, there's, like, one of the members of the Eagles is part of the Channel Islands, like, Conservancy yeah. or something. And the Conservancy is is uh, what runs the ranch to this day. So... Dr. Stanton, because he was a lifelong bachelor, he left all of his money basically in a trust. And so the island is preserved. Like, you can go there, I guess. And visit. And there's, like, feral sheep and eagles and whatever the fuck else. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) that's not the unsolved mystery. Um, In 1990, the deputy agricultural commissioner, that sounds official, was on the island and finds a mysterious metal box uh and an old shed and inside the box were human remains um and they were they were uh specifically cremains but there were still little bits of bone and stuff in there um and then the santa barbara county coroner found some clues and in the remains, weirdly, uh, was like a like a clothing fastener from the 1940s. There were several false teeth from the 1950s. There was a diamond. And we get to see all of this in the reenactment, which is yeah. really exciting because they're like sifting through the ashes. <laughs> uh, and then there's a diamond, diamond in uh, eternity ring that was made before World War II. So there's like all these things from different eras. Uh, and then, then they, this, the coroner tested the bone fragments and then found out it belonged to an elderly female. So, like, don't go <laughs> did Dr. Kerry Stanton kill some lady? Uh, but that doesn't seem likely, and I don't think he did. Most importantly, I don't think yes. he did <laughs> because he was hanging out with he was hanging out with the Eagles right. and making the Eagles do his weird yeah, dinner
1: right. thing. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, uh, a, a a murder just does not fit into his routine, so therefore he can't do it.
0: No, I mean, um,
1: like I like how they explain, like, yeah, he, he just couldn't, and then they like they show him like going from thing to yeah. thing and like the barn <laughs> that's the reasoning they like, give, labeling it and being like very meticulous and stuff. So,
0: yeah. yeah, 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 he was what, what did they call him? A compulsive archivist, yes, or I believe
1: that is the term,
0: something charming like that, yeah. Yeah, so we put labels on everything. Um so yeah, we don't know who this woman is. They think uh the coroner thinks she died after World War II. Um which doesn't really narrow it down between after World War II and 1990. Yeah. Well, after I guess Dr. Stanton died in 1987. Right. So between the end of World War II and 1987, who knows. Uh, and so, to this day, the Conservancy is trying to figure out what do we do with this box of ashes of remains.
1: Right. Because they, they want to um, do whatever would have been the appropriate thing to do with the, this. Like, uh, you know, if, if the person would have preferred to be buried on the island, do that. If, if not, try, you know, just because I mean, as because we, we all have like a preference for what to to what we want to done with our remains, I know there's only mm-hmm. one thing I want done with mine. So, oh, what's that? Um, if you want to know, I'll tell you after the pod. I, I I think it would be kind of a downer if I explained the full thing to our audience.
0: Oh, can I tell them what I can I tell them what I want? Because mine is okay. Silly.
1: Sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this.
0: Um. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I have, I have a lot of, I've thought, I've thought a lot about it, honestly. And, um, I, I mean, after you're done like harvesting what the organs and stuff you can get out of me, like go to town. I am dead. I am not using them anymore. Uh, I would like, I would like to be cremated and then I would like my ashes to be like shot out of a cannon.
1: I feel like you've told Um, me this before. because this is starting to sound familiar. I
0: might have talked about it on the pod before. Yeah. I might have talked about it on the pod before, or told you. so. But I would like my remains to be shot out of a cannon. But very specifically, they have to be shot out during the crescendo of the Frank Sinatra song, My Way. <laughs> um, so when that song reaches its peak, that's when I want the cannon of my ashes to be yes. shot off. Along with some fireworks. Yeah. I mean, fireworks have been added into the will as well. So
1: that's cool. That's really cool.
0: <laughs> um, you know, and I imagine anyone who who you know I has managed to outlive me at that point, attending that ceremony, they're going to be like, "This is a little bit extreme." <laughs>
1: <laughs> at least, at least, people at least your know, your wishes will be known. It won't be like, you know, it won't be John Goodman saying like, in yeah. accordance what with, what very well might have been his last wishes. I <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, no. Well, now this is this is on the public record. I've made it clear what I would like to be done. Um. How- so you know, but here's the th- here's the th- here's the thing: as we're all learning about dying wishes, is you're dead. And uh we can kinda just do whatever we want after you died. <laughs> so. Man,
1: I think I think like if there's any rumpers who are still alive, and, you know, not confined to like a nursing home, like get them out to the funeral too mm-hmm. and we'll give each of them like a bottle rocket to shoot off and, uh uh yeah.
0: fantastic. <laughs> Let's burn all of what is left of California at that you point. You better down. believe it. Uh, cause I'm at, yeah, I'm cause I'm dying here, baby. Uh, all right, Robbie, listen, we did, we did it.
1: <laughs> we we did it. This, this, uh, this episode was much better than the last one. I, I like, I like this one more
0: yeah yeah i mean we as always we as podcasters are delivering a plus material however unsolved mysteries can kind of fall short from time to time but i really did like this episode as well i mean it had a i i had proposed at the beginning of this we only t- we were gonna break format and i was like let's just talk about yetis and then you were like well hold on there are some things to be said about the other segments yeah. And I would have been remiss not talking about the Stanton bones.
1: Oh man, yeah, you you, you so. gave some good <laughs> insights into those bones. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, well, we have some we have some plans to like go camping next year on at the Channel Islands. So,
1: you,
0: you know, I'll follow you, up. You and I'll Dave are going to go camping on the Channel there. Islands. Yeah, yeah, Dave, Dave. Uh, Brought it up, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, that it's something he wanted. Oh, that's to do awesome! Next year, probably Yeah, the you, spring, you guys,
1: so. yeah, do yeah. do that, um, and 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 find out, solve the we mystery will. of the Stanton Bones while you're there.
0: <laughs> we are going to solve the mystery of the Stanton Bones while we're there, and fight some feral sheep while Excellent. we're at it.
1: Well, next week we have a very special edition of Unsolved Mysteries coming up. Well, not with, well, not with next week for this pod. That now that'll be two weeks from now. But the next episode mm-hmm. of Unsolved Mysteries right. is apparently going to be the one hundredth episode.
0: Yeah, which is weird <laughs> because we're only on episode sixty-eight.
1: And I know that we like we in a move that still confuses a lot of people. We skipped mm-hmm. like the second half of season one, but even factoring mm-hmm. that in, we. I think this is just
0: yeah. I don't know how we're at a hundred.
1: Um, I think this is just th- that weird sunrise, you know, chop, chop job that they've they've done on on some of this. Because uh, I actually, mm-hmm. I went I went ahead and I I checked out the the next episode real quick because they didn't really tell us what was going to be involved. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know. I don't think it may not have been the next thing in the broadcast order or what, but. The thing was, in this at the end of this episode, they said it was going to be a two-hour long episode. The, the, a special celebration. Um, mm-hmm. But like this next episode's only forty-five minutes long, though maybe it's uh, maybe mm-hmm. they broke it up into a two-parter or something. But it does look like mm-hmm. if it's if it's you know a special episode they're doing, they did they did pick well because there's a UFO segment mm-hmm. and a ghost segment. So, mm. yeah, double, double your pleasure.
0: Um, I we will,
1: yeah. So we will. Um, yeah. So we have that to look forward to on on, on our next episode.
0: Excellent. You know, it might be unsolved mysteries' hundredth episode, but you know what? It's <laughs> going to be our sixty ninth episode.
1: Nice. It's going to be a special Yo. celebration for both programs.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's really going to be something.
1: We need to think about how we're going to celebrate that. So this um, is a once and this is our this is a, it's only going to come around once, Crystal. We're only going to have 169 60, yeah, episode. We gotta we gotta make the most true. of it. Uh, I
0: uh, I'll think of something. We'll think okay. of something. You want to do the thing? I'm
1: sorry. Join us next week for a very special celebration for the 100th episode of Unsolved Mysteries.